Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Five days, five days until Ohio State-Michigan, Tim May, the 40-year vet, Andy Backstrom, Spencer Holbrook here. We're going to talk about it. Uh, it's the Monday before Ohio State-Michigan. If you care about Ohio State 37, Minnesota 3, go watch the rapid reaction from after the game on Saturday night. We're here to talk about the game, maybe a little bit of Minnesota talk, how it relates to the game. Uh, but, fellas, there's nothing more important than five days from now, so we're not going to waste any more time talking about uh, the Minnesota game. Yeah. Boy, Minnesota, man, they came out came – out, Oh, okay. Yeah, you're exactly right. Ohio State versus Michigan, uh, undefeated versus undefeated, two versus three. Big Ten, big, the last Big Ten East championship uh, uh, on the line for the chance to play in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, obviously, the college football playoff ramifications. I'm not sure how it gets any bigger than that, except take it away, Anders. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that this game is going to be determining who goes to the college football playoff. I don't see it at the moment. A scenario where the loser still makes it in. Now we said that last year too, and everything that happened that needed to happen for Ohio State Dominoes did happen. Fail. So you never really know. But this does feel like, yeah, whoever wins absolutely wins the Big Ten East, goes to the Big Ten Championship, which Ohio State has not been in since 2020. They want to have another banner up in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. That's their first trophy they want. So this game is absolutely critical, and I feel like we can kind of go through in this show some of the weaknesses, some of the strengths Ohio State's kind of built, you know, over the season because. We need to kind of do like a status check with where they're at after 11 games. It's it's pretty crazy that this rivalry has gotten to this point where, uh, okay, 2006 was the first ever. It was amazing. It was the greatest game ever. One versus two. Game of the century. Game of the century. One versus two. We'll never see anything like it again, except for three times since 2016. Two versus three in 2016. Two versus three in 2022. Two versus three in 2023. Fellas, uh, I get the 10-year war. I get the 90s when Ohio State was trying to get over the hump. This is like the, the golden age of the rivalry. Both teams are at a, just an absolute peak. And to get three two-versus-three matchups in the span of seven years when this rivalry has been going on for over 100 years, Tim, I, no. you, can't, you can't get any better than what we've gotten. And I know Ohio State fans, you know, Maybe you don't care about that because it's the last two you've lost, but like this is the golden era of the rivalry. Yeah, this is the uh, absolute. I mean, that's why I keep telling about the golden era of Ohio State offense, you know? Yeah. And, uh, kind of fell off a little bit this year, but not really super yeah. huge. But yeah, this, it doesn't get any better than this. And it has never been better than this in the past. I mean, this is, I mean, it has been as good as this. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, you look back to 10 10 tie in 1973, it was 50 years ago. 
two undefeateds going at each other. Boy, it was a lot on the line then because there wasn't a college football playoff. There was no Big Ten championship game. Ohio State versus Michigan was the Big Ten championship game. That's why the 10-year war was such a huge deal. Uh, and then, of course, uh, uh, Michigan should have taken a hint even way back then because it was a 10-10 tie. They came back and tied it in the second half in Ann Arbor. And then they came down to a vote of the athletic directors uh, or the schools of the Big Ten on who should get to go to the uh, Rose Bowl. And, and Michigan lost the vote, you know? Mm -hmm. Just like right now, I think Michigan would lose a lot of votes based on what's been going on at Michigan uh, uh, the, the last uh, four weeks, but carried back for like two years now, it's what, two and a half, three years now. So this, this game was already big enough, and then you throw in the Connor Stallions uh, situation uh, and, and the uh, Chris Partridge situation getting fired their linebacker coach for, we're not still sure exactly what, but something to do with the Connor Stallions thing. It's just the intrigue off the field is compelling. So this likely will be the highest watched or the most watched regular season game of 2023 in college football from a television standpoint. Because Maybe ever. Yeah, but it's crazy what's going on and still what the game means. Yeah, and Andy, it's kind of bizarre that 2006 was an even year, so it was in this building. 2022 was in this building. 2016 was in this building. This is the first uh, top four um, clash in, in these this set of four that's up in the Stallion Stable in Ann Arbor. So, I don't know, does that change the way you feel about this game, being on the road? Like, I guess we're gonna dive right into it. What, what are your thoughts? We'll start with the atmosphere and then go to the team. What are your thoughts on how Ohio State's gonna handle this? I mean, this is a road-tested team. They've played five games already on the road. They opened the season on the road. They've played at Notre Dame. They've played at Wisconsin. If you have an Ohio State team, this is the one that's built to do this. I mean, normally you're Ohio State playing seven, eight home games a year. They only played six this year. I think that's a strength for this team. I really think this schedule has proved you know, fruitful for this Ohio State team to be tested on the road as much as they have. So now going to this game, they like playing on the road. The players have talked about that villain atmosphere, you know, wanting to embrace that. I think that this is actually in some ways an advantage. You can't really get caught sleeping on the road. Okay, so I think that I actually like them being on the road if you're an Ohio State fan. I mean, that's something that, you know, you'd obviously want to have them in the shoe. But if you can't, you want a team like this that's already been on the road and prove they can do it. Yeah, you have no choice. <laughs> you yeah. got to play the game on the road. Uh, yeah, I think it, this team has proven itself, as uh, Jim Knowles reminded me on Saturday night when I asked him about this thing, that they have the main thing that stands out about this game is this is good versus good. I mean, this is like versus like. Mm -hmm. Just like Ohio State at Notre Dame, just like Ohio State versus Penn State. Ohio State passed those two tests. Uh, Michigan has had only one of those tests uh, this year, the Penn State game, which they kind of beat Penn State pretty much the same way Ohio State did from a, you know, mm -hmm. a different standpoint. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is at this point. This is where you got to go. You know, the road to Indianapolis goes through Michigan uh, for Ohio State. Yeah, it takes a little bit of a detour there, Tim, yeah. uh, up 23. Oh, and, yep, and then you go down 69, and there you are. Up to Ann Arbor. Uh, no, I'm talking about back to Indianapolis. Yeah, I think the Ohio State – road advantage Andy is is a point well taken or a point well given I'll, I'll I'll make it a point well taken I like that that idea because the Buckeyes really did embrace that road atmosphere uh at Notre Dame they kind of fed off the energy they knew that it was going to be uh you know for the defense which is the strength of this team still it's quiet when you're on the road 
Like you get to communicate better when you're in the horseshoe. Like I'll be honest, like sometimes these guys talk about it when they're in the horseshoe and it's a big game and they're on defense, it kind of sucks for them because they're feeding off the crowd. Yes, but they can't communicate to save a life. You go up there to Ann Arbor, the, the crowd, it's not a, I don't want to call it a smart crowd. I'm not going to give the big house that kind of credit, but the crowd hushes when Michigan's on offense, that helps Ohio State's defense communicate. Uh, obviously the offense is going to have its share of communication issues, but I'm sure they've already been planning for different means of communication considering what's been going on in Ann Arbor. So I, I like it. I think that they can embrace this road, this road warriors. Ryan Day has said the, those exact words a few different times this year, the road warriors. And that's going to be a big factor in this, but if Ohio State can embrace it, uh, you know, there's, there's a certain villain mentality that you can carry up there. I remember in 2019, uh, one of my favorite Buckeyes to cover, but obviously didn't have a great pro career. Uh, Damon Arnett coming up the tunnel after the game. All the recruits from Michigan are walking up the tunnel and it's really quiet. And then all of a sudden you just see Damon Arnett coming through and he's yelling, Michigan recruits, don't come here. You're not going to win this game. And like they really in 2019 embraced that. They climbed up on the wall after the game and sat with the Ohio State fans down on the field in the big house. They, yep. they were agging the crowd on in the fourth quarter when, when they were picking passes off and, and scoring more touchdowns and J.K. Dobbins going around the end. Like that's the mark of a, a championship team when you go on the road and you just embrace that. And, and like you said, Andy, I've seen this team do that. You know, they get, got to storm the field as a team against uh, Notre Dame. Maybe they'll get to do it again on Saturday. Yeah, I think the most important thing is that this defense travels, and we know that. And yeah, I think Tim even wrote in his story for LettermanRow.com, like, you know what a team is after 11 games. Yeah. The proof is in the pudding. And I think with this defense, we know that it can travel. We know it's going to show up. And I think when you're looking to build a championship team, that's a great thing to have. And yeah. so when you're going to Ann Arbor, I don't think any of us are worried about this defense showing up. I think we're all just a little bit, not concerned, but wondering what kind of offense will show up for Ohio State. The offense of the last couple of weeks that's beat up on admittedly bad teams, but has looked better and yeah. more of an identity, or the offense that at times has been clunky and head scratching this season. Yeah, and this is what's funny, man. I, I think, I don't know, maybe, maybe other beats do the same thing at Alabama and uh, George, I know everybody was down on Alabama at the beginning of the year about its offense because it should have been. I mean, uh, you know, until they figured out what to do with Jalen Milrow, and especially after the South Florida near disaster, they finally got their act together. But, you know, I, I just, when I was driving home uh, on Saturday night after we recorded our thing here, I, I, it just dawned on me again, you know, Ohio State just beat a Big Ten team that's got some problems, Minnesota. They just beat them 37 to 3. You know, mm -hmm. not seven to three. I'm gonna, I wouldn't go through all the sevens there. Not seven to three, but thirty-seven to three. Pretty much owned the game from the from the get-go. Yeah. Uh, the previous week, you know, uh, I mean, I, I, I sometimes I, I don't think you sit back and really appreciate what you've what you're what you're witnessing mm -hmm. because these these are like heavyweight fights. Even when the opponent is not up to your standard, he's still a heavyweight. You know, he can still throw punches. And uh, I was I was impressed the more I thought about it about the way Ohio State beat Minnesota on Saturday because they just kind of like just thoroughly just kind of owned the game. Could have been better on offense in the first half without a doubt, you know. But they still just owned the game from the outset. And uh, and the thing you it, it's really asking a lot for you to just come in and just dominate people from the very beginning of a game in any kind of situation. And for us to hold that over a team's head, you always got to look at it finally on how did the thing turn out. I know I've said that a bunch of times on this show, but uh, I'm impressed by how thoroughly 
Ohio State has beaten most everybody on its schedule this year, with maybe the exception of Notre Dame, and they should have done it that night, uh, if you follow me. I mean, they should have had a, a much bigger lead. They were up 10 nothing and blew the lead. My point is, like you were just talking about, this team is ready to go to war because they have a defense they feel really good about. But the biggest test is coming Saturday. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where we've talked about it all year. Like, would you rather win a game 59-24 to 24 and win by 35, or would you rather win a game 37-3 to 3 and win by 34? Yeah. So, like, you're still getting the same result. Ohio State, you know, I know there are people who don't like gambling, and that's fine, but it does tell the story of the season. Ohio State's 7-3-1 against the spread this year. Like, they're beating teams the way that experts who do this for a living and know exactly where they should be beating teams, they're beating teams by more than that. Yeah. And so that tells you, you know, it's a little different. It doesn't look like 51 points here and 49 points here and 61 points here, but it's 38, it's 35, it's 34. And you know what? The defense is holding teams under 10, under 15, under, you know, 16 and 17 are the two highest outputs this year by defense, by the defense. So, and I will also give credit, to, uh, two quick things. I'll give credit to Ohio State for scoring 37 despite having putrid field position the entire first half. Yeah. I mean, that you get into a field position battle with Minnesota. It's a big enough deal about that. Yeah. It's a losing battle with Minnesota to get into a field position war. And uh, the Buckeyes end up coming out on top and scoring 37 despite having bad field position and despite putting the defense near the 50 just about the entire first half. Yeah. Minnesota had great field position the entire first half and didn't get past the 40 until the fourth quarter. So I, I was really impressed. The thing I was most impressed about, and I'll throw it over to Andy for this, I said on 97.1 The Fan this morning, Morning Juice, I appreciate those guys for having me on such a big week, that this was the most professional. Is that an endorsement? Yeah, I mean, they they help us. They help Letterman Row. We yeah. help them by yeah. coming on, talking to, talking about the Buckeyes. Gotcha. This was the most professional and mature win of the season for Ohio State. They had every reason to come out and the defense kind of let up a little bit, just look forward to next week. They had every reason to just get in and get out with a win, and instead they physically dominated Minnesota. The defense was imposing. The offense got on quick, had a few struggles there in the middle, but moved the ball throughout the game. Like, you want to talk about a mature team that, that knows how to take care of business before a big game? I thought this was the most mature they've looked all year because they didn't even start celebrating until the second half. They knew that work still needed to be done. They're taking it one day at a time, and that starts up top. Ryan Day's doing a good job of that, but the players are really driving that one day at a time, staying focused, and now that we're here, they can finally get on to focusing on Michigan. As Ryan Day said, the game was still in the balance at the end of the first half. Now, I think we all expected Ohio State to pull away and win, but they hadn't yet. He said they wanted to win the first five minutes of the second half. They won the first minute, and that the rest didn't really matter. Yeah. And, and so I think that's super key, though. We think about the Michigan game last year, right? Close at halftime. Ohio State has the lead. Then in the second half, what happens? Everything unravels. This team this year, though, has been stronger in the second half than it's been in any other part of the game this season. And I think that's important to note because we all know how last year went in the back half, the third and fourth quarter. Yeah. And I think that when you get a team that consistently has won those first five minutes of the second half, that makes you a lot more confident going into a game like this because even if they're down at halftime, they're not out. Yeah. And I got to, you know, from the guys we talked to, the few guys we got to talk to on Saturday, including Ryan Day, I don't, I don't, I didn't get the indication there was a fire and brimstone speech given at halftime by anybody. I'm sure there was some whatever, some yelling and stuff. But the first play right out of the gate, Travion Henderson goes 75. The first play right out of the gate for Minnesota, uh, Jack Sawyer strips, strips the ball. JT Tuimoloau uh, recovers, scoops, and, and runs, and they score a touchdown. What? Was that the next play? I'm trying to remember. Uh, two plays after Two that. plays after that. 
that was crazy. Mm-hmm. That was really crazy. And it was like, like you just said, it's like they came to a realization and maybe they didn't, maybe things just opened up. They just came to a realization. This will not stand, you yeah, know? Yeah. And uh, boom, the game was, because there was no way Minnesota, un, except for miracles, was gonna score two touchdowns, you know, and get back into that game. And of course they didn't. And that, that was really, that stood out for me. Meanwhile, the other team was playing at Maryland and without a scoop and score for a touchdown, that game's dead even. And Maryland never quit on, on Michigan. They also had two safeties too. Exactly. Maryland never quit on Michigan. One of them was very controversial. I, I still don't understand why they didn't get credit for throwing the ball away as a st- instead of grounding, but that's that's for the officials to deal with. But uh, I'm not sure what kind of team they're running into this Saturday at Michigan, which will be without his head coach for the third straight game. The Bloom, whatever robust uh, uh, jump they got from an emotional standpoint, they got it the Penn State game, in my opinion, from that. Now. What, the, what, is, what everybody's come to realization of is, well, he took the plea deal. I mean, as opposed to going in and fighting in front of Judge Judy and stuff, uh, Jim Harbaugh in Michigan backed off. So there is stuff going on up there. Chris Partridge did get fired on, the, on last Friday, uh, their linebackers coach. There's stuff going on there, which can't be the best way to be going into a game like this with having some kind of doubts about what's going on around you as a football team. You, do you yeah. follow me there? Yeah. What has been going on around you? People doubting you. Yeah, you can fire, get fired up about that once or twice, but three times, that's gonna be very interesting. I say all that, and this is a team that last year beat Illinois on the last play with a field goal, and you're going, wow, that's not the juggernaut I'm expecting. Yeah. Uh, they, don't let, they don't let their quarterback throw the ball down the field. Uh, I'm talking about J.J. McCarthy, blah, 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 blah. And we all saw what happened in the second half here last year. So to think we are seeing harbingers here of what's coming on Saturday, uh, sometimes, well, most of the time, that is not the case in college football. I like what you said a minute ago, Tim, and I'm not trying to just gloss over what you just said, but you said this will not stand as like the Ohio State defense in the second half, just Ohio State pouring it on. There's a little bit of that to the entire team overall, especially when it comes to Michigan. Do you remember, we were there, 2021 were you up in Ann Arbor for 2021 uh no okay 2021 but you got the sense even even watching through through it uh, the 85 I don't know inch, why I wasn't there but I wasn't there the 85 inch screen you were watching on yeah. in your man cave Tim uh in 2021 it was almost like you could see it happening in real time Michigan finally said this in the rivalry will not stand yeah and it, it's over this streak is over we're shattering this this glass ceiling that's ahead of us and we're getting through it and Ohio State does that at times in just individual games right now this year with this defense. They just say, okay, we're done. Rutgers, you, you had some fun in the first half. We're done. We're done here. Maryland, we're good. You guys got had your fun. We're good. There's an element to the rivalry in that where this entire Ohio State team has heard everything since 2021, whether that's from Josh Gaddis, who's now at Maryland, whether that's from Jim Harbaugh himself, who won't be on the sideline, whether that's from uh, – you know, players on social media, whether that's from fan bases, whether that's from national media questioning the the stability of the program when, as it relates to against the best teams in the country, most notably the rival to the north. And there's going to come a point, and I think it's this week, where Ohio State is, is on the precipice of saying, enough, we're done, enough. 
we're, we're taking this back. And so I think that's the mindset that they're going to carry into this week, Andy. But what if Michigan has the same result? Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, obviously yeah. both teams want to win. So it's not, it's not something that – You still got to – like you said, you still got to make the plays. Well, I mean, that's the point. Obviously. But I'm just – like there's a mindset that's thing. That's what stands out about this team defensively is when they've needed a play to take Which over is a game. It's exactly what you're talking about. Yep. When they needed a play to flip the script, they've gotten it defensively. And you can have an example in every game. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, Michigan has done that defensively too this yeah. season. And that's mm -hmm. why I think yeah, we're seeing the two top scoring defenses in the country. We've been talking about that for weeks. That's why I think it's going to be a low scoring game. I think it's going to come down to the end. I like defensive football, so I'm excited. But it's going to be one of those games where, yeah, you have to step. You have, you have to step up. You have to make the plays where it matters most when your back is against the wall. And I think it's really going to come down to the quarterback play of who plays better. And of I don't course, think we can always does. We can analyze all we want from the last 11 games, but it really doesn't matter. It's yeah. who plays better at that quarterback position, who's turnover free, who makes the right throws at the right time, and maybe just doesn't try to be extraordinary because you have the defense that allows you not to be. Um, but yeah. yeah, as you mentioned, Tim, I mean, JJ McCarthy didn't look great in that Illinois game. He didn't look great last week, but he looked probably the best he has, at least last season. It was his best game yeah. here in the horseshoe. And so that's all that matters on Saturday is how you play then. We can, yeah. we can do all the digging up the analytics. but Yeah, they turned him loose to throw the ball deep a few times here last year. Yeah. Guys were wide open when he threw it to them. <laughs> you know, uh, the play that flipped the game, and I think you all agree with me just from the standpoint of, because Michigan was got to get, it looked like it was about to get beat in this stadium until Michigan Cam was get, Michigan was getting its ass kicked exactly. in the stadium for two until for Cam a quarter Brown and a half. That tackle out on the edge on that little hitch pass, and the guy goes the distance, and the next thing you know, the snowball never quit getting bigger. Yeah. I mean, and uh, that's what you can't allow. You big plays just so much determine these kind of like otherwise kind of even Steven matches. It's nuts. We'll get into that as the week goes on and stuff. But here's the thing that stands out to me: the last two weeks. J.J. McCarthy looks like he's almost – something's wrong with him. I mean, well, just from a physical standpoint. I mean, they literally took the ball out of his hands from a throwing situation at Penn State uh, in the second half because he didn't throw a pass. Uh, and then last week, same thing. There were uh, – there uh, he didn't look sharp. I mean, their passing game did not look sharp against a team that Ohio State threw the ball against pretty well. You know? Well, uh, Ohio State – no, not Ohio State. J.J. McCarthy did roll that ankle against Penn State, and, and they didn't use him in the running game against Maryland. So, I, <clears throat> right. I'm not a doctor, but I did stay at a Holiday Inn Express, and yeah. I did watch the Penn State game yeah. where J.J. McCarthy did not look the same after the ankle was rolled. I saw you with your <clears throat> stethoscope, though, when you walked in. Yeah, the pulse of the program is yeah. that J.J. McCarthy is good, but he's not uh, – he's not um, – 100%. But guess what? It's November. Kyle yeah. McCord's not 100%. No. Marvin Harrison Jr. hasn't been 100% since the Notre Dame game. Emeka Ibuka is as close to 100% as he will be. But I even asked Trayvon Henderson walking up the tunnel after the game, Trayvon, you back at 100% yet? He's like, nah, but I'm I'm good. I'm like, good. I'm, I'm fine. Yeah. Because he's not going to be, he'll never be at 100%. Nobody will at this time of year. Right. It's the healthiest that Ohio State's been heading into this game, I think, since 2019. They weren't very healthy in 2021. Yeah. Everybody had the flu, and that's not an excuse. It's just every college football team gets the flu. And yeah. so, yeah. I mean, like, in 2022, they weren't that healthy. That's, again, not an excuse at all. Michigan beat the tar out of them. But, like, this is probably the healthiest this team has been in a while heading into this game. And, I agree. Uh, I can't really say the same for Michigan right now because the quarterback uh, issue that he's got. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, uh, the thing I was disappointed about with, Minnesota, with, with Ohio State-Minnesota was 
I thought there was going to be more of a more of a uh, an effort to get Marvin Harrison Jr. the football and what everybody knew was his last game in the shoe. And that great video Ohio State posted of him turning back and looking back, you know, as he was leaving the field, that was unbelievable. But I don't know. I, I sometimes you you save things, right? But that game with the game that game game plan reminded me of Ohio State's game plan against Indiana in the opener when yeah. Marvin Harrison Jr. was almost an afterthought. And uh, I'm still not sure what I watched on Saturday in that regard, but maybe they were making sure he's fresh as fresh as he can be going into Ann Arbor. That's the way I'm looking at it. Yeah, I mean, there's there's two things, right? Like there's the Heisman campaign, and that doesn't ultimately matter that much for this team. But there is that. He doesn't really get to beef up that resume. But more importantly, he's this the offense, basically. You yeah. know, when Marvin goes, this offense goes. And I think that's the big thing for this week is like, yeah, his targets need to be up 10, 12, 15 maybe because it doesn't matter if he's bracketed. It doesn't matter if he's double covered. You really don't even care which defensive back is covering him this week for Michigan. It's you still got to get him the ball, whether that's in the short game, the medium game, or deep. you got to find ways to fit the ball into him, and I think that that – it's just a big point of emphasis, so I think it's a, it's a point well taken yeah. to because like if they don't get him involved, I don't see a way they win this game. I, I looked down on the bench uh, a couple times when they were when the offense when defense was on the field, and he everybody was trying to get under those warm benches, you know, yeah. <laughs> and they, he was kind of sitting on the edge all by himself uh, with like another seven receivers all trying to sit in a space for like five guys. He's I don't know, he just looked sort of forlorn a little bit, you know, almost like. Uh, it wasn't so much he was disappointed. It was more like it looked like he was in deep thought about, man, this is my last home game. Yeah. Probably, you know, who knows, you know, what 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 the future is going to bring. But you know, he every time the big lights come on, he has shown up, right? Mm -hmm. And that's why you're kind of looking forward to Saturdays to see what they do with him. Temperature is going to be like what it is right now, which is not cold. Yeah, it's cold right now as we're standing here in Ohio Stadium. Uh, a little bit of a breeze, which enhances mm -hmm. it. Uh, feels like. It, I think the temperature right now is like 39. Feels like it's like 10. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, they can't let the weather take him out of the game. If you follow my draft on. Well, Saturday. I think the emergence, the reemergence of Emeka Buka changes things for Ohio State as well. Absolutely. Uh, you know. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be defended by Will Johnson. He's going to be bracketed by a safety, probably Rod Moore or another safety there. Uh, I don't want to get too in the weeds here. Emeka Buka is probably going to be going to have to go up against Mike Sanders still, who's got like nine pick sixes this year. The, the guy is a ball magnet. Yeah. He's a very good uh, plays here last year. He's a very good nickel corner. If, if Jordan Hancock's not the best nickel in the Big Ten, then Mike Sanders still is. Like those guys are very, very good. So. This wide receiver versus secondary matchup is a really big one to watch. But guess what? Every time in Marvin Harrison Jr.'s career we've talked about wide receivers versus corners, there's only been one person that's been the winner. We didn't talk about it against Maryland. I think Deontay Banks and him kind of went head-to-head uh, -head and did a good job. But, but look at the other guys. Joey Porter Jr., check one, Marvin. Kalen King, Marvin. Uh, Keely Ringo, by God, Marvin. Um, it yeah, was not even close. It cost Keely Ringo a lot of money. Yeah, it certainly did, Tim. You're absolutely right, partner. But like, th this is the this is these are the matchups that that are going to decide this game. And I know every year since like Vietnam, the the team that rushes for the most yards wins the game. But like the wide receivers for Ohio State, especially without rain, without snow, like the wide receivers for Ohio State against these this Michigan secondary, you got to get open and you got to find a way to get Marvin the ball. I completely agree with you, but also. Again, the team that wins the running battle wins the game. 
Blake Corum just had 24 carries for 94, 98 yards. That's not a very good showing against a Maryland team that you, sh you shouldn't be able to run for a lot against. Trayvon Henderson didn't play against Maryland. I like to think he would have had a good day against Maryland because he's had a good day against everyone. Um, and this rushing battle between Travion Henderson and Chip Trainum and Xavier Johnson and even Marvin Harrison Jr. on the end rounds against the running battle of Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, who hasn't looked that great this year uh, for whatever reason, and the rushing attack from Michigan, that's where this game will be won, Andy. Yeah, well, and you mentioned the health of Ohio State. They're healthy at running back, or at least more healthy than they've been <laughs> than last year. And I think that that's saying something because you have Travion Henderson, who looks as close to 100% as possible, as you said. And then you got Chip Trainum, who's back after having a little bit of a hiccup with an injury at Purdue. And then you have Mayan Williams, yes, he's out for the year. But then you have Dallin Hayden, who's available to play if he needs to play. We saw him against yep. Minnesota. I thought that was noteworthy. And then you still have Xavier Johnson, who has proven to be a viable running back, wide mm -hmm. receiver, do-it-all kind of player for this team. I think that's actually really diversified this rushing attack. And when they talk about offensive identity, Ryan Day was you know, pretty careful in saying, like, it's not that we haven't had an identity as a team, but we didn't really have an offensive identity for a while. We were trying to forge it, and he, he's been adamant for the last three weeks. You know, even at Rutgers, he felt like they took a significant step in building an offensive identity. I think a huge part of that offensive identity is balance. Oh, absolutely. And actually having a running game they can count on. And it's not just the home run hits that Trivion Henderson's had, because he's had those. It's the 10-yard gains. The first drive of the game, they score a touchdown, eight plays. Trayvon Henderson touched the ball five times. There were three runs at 10 or more yards. Yeah. It's those runs, the 10 or more. I think they gained yeah. first downs on four single plays. I mean, you know what I mean? Yeah. At least four single plays during that drive. Picking You're exactly up right. chunks of yards, yeah. especially on the ground. And I think that's the balance. That's the identity. They can play off of that. It takes pressure off of Kyle McCord. Cade Stover. Exactly. And so I think that is the key to this game. Can, have, can they have balance? Because Chip Trainum was the starting running back for all intents and purposes last year in this game. Now it's Travion Henderson, and that's no disrespect to Chip Trainum. That's a big difference. Yeah. The Both of Travion Henderson's touchdown runs were incredible. The second one was, was amazing, the 75-yard run, um, where he was just shot out of a cannon into the second level, uh, past Julian Fleming's great block. And in, I'm telling you, the first touchdown run by him is one of the most impressive runs I've ever seen Travion Henderson yep. have because there was absolutely nothing there. There was a corner that was trying to get up there to, to make a play. There was a safety trying to fill a lane. There was a linebacker coming to the inside to fill a gap. And Travion Henderson put his foot in the ground, jump cuts to get the linebacker to hit the other linebacker and get to the next level and burst only nine yards. But the burst there to get to the end zone, wow. And we saw against Michigan all the way back in 2019, the last time this team beat Michigan, J.K. Dobbins was an absolute difference maker. He had four touchdown runs. And the Michigan front was pretty good. But J.K. Dobbins made jump cuts. He made a difference in that game. They yeah. got him to the edge, and he went to the second level and then got to the end zone. Travion Henderson has that ability. Yeah. And so he is going to be, I think he is the most important player in the entire game. It's not. I don't even think it's Blake Corum or J.J. McCarthy or Will Johnson for the Michigan side. I don't think it's Marvin Harrison Jr. or Kyle McCord or Jordan Hancock or Tyleek Williams. I think it's Travion Henderson because of the way that he changes everything for this offense. He is uh, nitroglycerin because if you don't handle him correctly, he's going to go. He's going to go <laughs> off. And uh, that's exactly, I mean, boom, you know, because we've seen him stoned at the line of scrimmage a few times. Uh, and then all of a sudden, but that burst is still there. Mm -hmm. And this is as close as we've seen him to 100% since his freshman year, in my opinion. Last year was yeah. just an anomaly. Uh, 
but there's no doubt what he brings to the table. But, it, you know, just like you, like Andy, Andy, Andy Anders was talking about a minute ago, you've got a tight end who's catching the ball and making plays. You've got your two best receivers on V, plus Julian Fleming has some really good catches here mm -hmm. to keep drives uh, alive, et cetera, on Saturday. So that's three wide receivers, including Marvin Harrison Jr. And then you throw Trevion Henderson in the backfield. And the other thing, now that I've seen the master plan uh, come to fruition, don't you mean Dallin Hayden? The Dallin Hayden plan now makes total sense to me <laughs> because Dallin Hayden I thought ran well on Saturday. He has one game left in his uh, one arrow left in his quiver uh, to not blow his redshirt season. That's going to be coming up on Saturday uh, because you can't win the Big Ten championship game if you don't get there. Yeah. And then, of course, if they can get past the Big Ten Championship game, which is going to be against uh, Iowa, yeah, free flow in Iowa, uh, he can play. He can play in the college football playoff. Dallin Hayden can. It has nothing to do with the redshirt situation, which I, uh, I made sure uh, Ryan Day clarified that before he left the, the podium the other night because that's interesting to me, man. Because this team really, when you look at it from midseason to now, is much more potent on offense. With mm -hmm. Travion Henderson on board with the Mechag Buka. Now, like you said, that little takeoff he had up the seam, mm -hmm. you know, basically a skinny post. He was flying, you know. Mm -hmm. Now he got hit really hard at the end of it. But wow, does that change things for Michigan and its defensive coaches on how what how to scheme this game. But what it's always gonna come down to, and it always does, is how well does your offensive line play? Michigan's offensive line, yeah, they've gotten the running game the last two weeks when they've had to have it, but there have been some question marks about it from a pass pro standpoint the last several weeks. I think Ohio State's line is coming coming on at the right time. Do you all agree with me on yeah. that before yeah. we end this? Yeah, I agree. I agree. We'll I talk about it more as the week goes on. Yeah, we will. We're going to set the table all week before we Except eat. Except for that, whatever that was at the end of the first half when they tried to yeah. get Kyle McCord killed or whatever. I mean, that, that was crazy what happened to the offensive line at the end of the first half the other day against yeah. Minnesota. Agreed? Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I mean, it, there were free free runners through there. It can't happen against Michigan. And no. so they've got a lot to figure out. We're going to continue to add side dishes, set the table uh, for Saturday before we eat at noon up in Ann Arbor. Andy Backstrom, you, are you going to Ann Arbor this Saturday? I will be. Okay. Uh, Tim May, you heading up there? I'll be there four, on Friday. 40-year vet heading up to Ann Arbor on Friday. Uh, Spencer Holbrook, Letterman Road crew. In the horseshoe right now, in the aftermath, but when we started the video, they still had Ohio State 37, Minnesota 3 up there. Now it says nothing. Well, Mike Bassford walked in with his camera, took some kind of photo on the field, you know, the uh, one of the sports information directors here, and left, and then the scoreboard lights went out. I don't know. Memories, baby. He's trying to get some memories. Uh, I'm looking right now, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight national championships up there on the banners. Ohio State trying to add 2023 to that. They cannot do so if they don't beat Michigan on Saturday in Ann Arbor in the big house, the Stallion Stable itself. Tim May, the 40-year vet, he's heading up there. Andy Backstrom and myself, Spencer Holbrook. The Letterman Row crew will be making its way up north. Uh, maybe we'll just tag along in, uh, right behind the team bus, Tim, since it's the only game they bus to anymore. A uh, lot, lot of coverage coming, LettermanRow.com. We've got Michigan opponent previews with some of the guys over at the Wolverine. We've got, uh, I'm going to try to have Jake Butt from Michigan, uh, former Michigan tight end on the show. He's going to talk about a charity and also a little bit of, of, of game action. Uh, Andy's going to have a lot of stuff, full team breakdowns, a lot of uh, 
stuff to be thankful for this Thanksgiving season. Tim May, he's going to have a lot of coverage. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got uh, John U. Bacon and uh, Paul Feinbaum and Matt Wilhelm on my podcast, the, the Tim May Show this week, and then I'm going to, of course, have Irvin Meyer summing things up. All, all that to say, a lot of coverage coming at Littermanero.com. We're going to be in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center on Tuesday to talk to Ryan Day, the head honcho himself, about Ohio State versus Michigan, the game, the rivalry game, all the M's beginning to be crossed out in Columbus as we move forward five days till, till Ann Arbor. Five days until two versus three, 11 and 0 versus 11 and 0. It's an epic clash. We can't wait to get there. We can't wait to provide the coverage. Go there right now. Get your first, first month for $1 or your first year, 50% off right now at Littermanero.com. Tim May, the 40-year vet. Andy Backstrom, Spencer Holbrook. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll see you guys in the Woody tomorrow on Tuesday.